a listener production. Kickbump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boonwurrung, who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kickbump podcast, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. Hi guys. Hi Mandy. Hi Steph. How are you going? Good. Welcome back. We have a very big and important episode today. Mm. But before we get into it, I did want to start with a trigger warning. This episode discusses eating disorders. If you or anyone you know wants to reach out for help, you can call the Butterfly National Helpline on 1-800-ED-HOPE. So if this episode may be triggering in any way, may recommend skipping it. We've got two people, two guests joining me, one being Sarah, who is actually from our kit community and reached out to share this story and was one of the people that sparked the idea of this episode, Mm. but not the only one. And I think that's why the episode was created was because Sarah's journey is one in itself, but there were so many of you who reached out because you may be going through an eating disorder or you may have been through an eating disorder and have been through recovery, but are actually fearful of falling pregnant or going through pregnancy or postpartum because of what may trigger um, you know, due to, to past experiences and stuff like that with your body changing. So it's a super delicate topic we're talking about today, but a very important one. And it's one that hits pretty close to home for me as mm-hmm. well. I think the reason why some of you feel, you know, open or, or, or who want to reach out to me is because you may have known of my story. And if you're listening and you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll briefly touch on it. But I um, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder. However, I had eating disorder patterns, habits, thoughts. Um, mm. I had a horrible relationship with exercise and with food and my body image was just at an all-time low in my early 20s. So, so this was going back, what, 10 years or so? 2014. Yeah. Okay. So almost 10 years um, was when it was at its kind of peak. However, I've kind of always had this attachment to the way that I look, obviously uh, as a model Mm. for my career. It was a super important value to me. And so there's always been times even past the point where I kind of recovered and moved on from it that triggered certain patterns and habits. And I am not going to lie. I definitely like when I was thinking about going through pregnancy and having a kid, the thought did pop up into my mind of like, is my body going to bounce back? And, and And I don't even think, I mean, I don't, identify as someone who has an eating disorder, mm-hmm. but I also have thoughts like that mm. very regularly mm. about like, oh, the thought of one day getting pregnant, you know, the fear of, and you and I were talking about this before we started recording, is just like, we're so, it's so drummed into us from yeah. an early age, which is really sad about our bodies and what we look like and things and like that. Matters. And And yeah, and people place so much worth on that. And you're just like, oh, well, if I, my body changes, because it will, mm what does that mean for me? And, oh, what if I'm at my fittest at the moment? Does that mean, Mm. how am I going to, you know, bounce back in quotation marks? So it's even for someone like me, I think of those things as well. So I can't imagine if someone who has either been diagnosed or not diagnosed um, but has an eating disorder, Mm. how hard that would be going into a phase of their life where it's 
For sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to change their body. For sure. And I mean, for me, I am definitely at the other end when it comes to my own personal journey. However, as Laura and I always say with things like this, you, it's not like an end destination. Yeah. You don't just like wake up one day and you never have bad thoughts about yourself or yeah. never have a bad pattern of eating or anything like that it again. It ebbs and flows and certain things trigger it. And um, as we also have a, a guest on later from the Butterfly Foundation, Danny Rollins, and she speaks to this too, it's not even always circled around the way you look. It could yeah. be something completely irrelevant that that sets it off, right? Because it's a mental illness. So I think for me, when it did come to the time where I did fall pregnant and then went through that and then had Harvey and went through postpartum, I'm super, super fortunate that I was at a state in my life where I was really, really comfortable with who I was, really, really comfortable in my own skin I had pushed a lot of those negative patterns and thoughts away for so long that I was really good at squashing them really quickly. Mm. Postpartum was definitely a more triggering and a harder point than being pregnant. I think when I was pregnant, I was so swept up in the miracle of being able to be pregnant. Yeah, and I also feel like maybe that's to do with the fact that you're so aware that your body will change during like, pregnancy. I mean, there's a human in it. It's almost like, yeah, yeah it's like there's, there's more of a level of acceptance of like, oh, Obviously, my body's changing because I'm pregnant, because I'm growing a child. It expects you to grow because there's a baby growing. But then after that is kind of like where... You're expected to bounce back. It's almost like either you're expected to bounce back. it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or it's like no one talks about that phase. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, you just don't even think about what's going to happen afterwards. So then, yeah. The conversations are always around like you know, when like, it's always like, oh my God, you don't even look like you've been pregnant or whatever. Those kind of things can definitely trigger things. So I think for me, um, again, I was super fortunate that it's been years since I was at my lowest point with that. Um, So I think that really, really helped me deal with it because anytime thoughts came up through postpartum where I was negative Mm. on my body, I took it back to what my body had just been through physically Mm. and like the miracle of childbirth and everything. And just kind of patted myself on the back for how far I'd come, but also there's more important things in life yeah. than what your body looks like. Can I ask you, if you had have fallen pregnant during that lowest point, yeah. what do you think would have been going on mentally? Oh, I don't know because I, for a while, I hadn't recognized that what I was doing was wrong. And then even once it got to a point where I had recognized, hey, there might be something going on here, I still did it for like Mm. a year after that. Um, It's like, and I would be so upset with myself at the end of every day because it's like I'd failed myself. Like I knew it was wrong. It was just this cycle I couldn't get out of. So it's kind of this uncontrollable thing. So I have no doubt in my mind it would have been really, really heavy to go through, you know, pregnancy and then postpartum and be in the thick of all of that for sure. So yeah, my heart really does go out to anyone who may be pregnant and may be very much in the thick of it. Yeah. And I mean, in this episode, obviously, there will be advice on where you can get help, Mm. but absolutely never hesitate to reach out for help Yeah, because that is, if you're lost with what the starting point is, Mm. that is the first, I suppose, simple step that you can take. Yeah. And I think vocalizing it to someone Mm. also helps you recognize it in yourself. I mean, it did for me anyway. It's like it made it a real thing. Saying Someone else loud. knows about it yeah. now. So mm-hmm. like, yep. they're going to follow me up about it. Even or, if it's your psych you know? or your doctor or anyone that's, mm-hmm. you know, removed from your personal life, if you don't feel comfortable with anyone in your personal I life. I didn't. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. I have a beautiful network of mm-hmm. friends and family. 
I am so comfortable with them about basically anything else, opening up about anything else. And I think I've learned through this journey that like maybe I could have. But mm. at the same time, in my mind, I was like, you can't relate to what I'm going yeah. through. I'm not going to talk to you about it. So because that's the other thing, right? And this is something that Danny Rollins from the Butterfly Foundation touches on later, but it doesn't discriminate, right? Yeah. So there was points through my journey that I might not necessarily have looked too different to my, I don't know, healthy state to my friends and family anyway, from yep. their point of view. And so if I maybe said some things, there might have been people who've been like, no, it, like, really? Or yeah, like, you the same. Or, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I got, there's people who joked all the time about how much I ate. Yeah. Yeah. They had little idea of what I was actually going through mentally yeah. and like what that was doing to me at the time. But, and and again, that's another reason why it's important to kind of open up about things because I mean, we need to stop talking about what, how like people are eating and all that yeah. sort of stuff and make jokes about that sort of thing. So it's definitely not your issue. It's your, it's your friends or family. But at the same time, until they know that it's actually something that could be deeper or bigger, mm. like they're not actually meaning to hurt yeah, you. Yeah, it's usually in jest. It's, you know, yeah. a bit of a like, oh, we're taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. They it's knew fine. what that was actually doing to you, 100%. And you know what? I actually had an experience with this recently mm. um, where, so it was one of my husband's, friends, mm. a guy that I'm friends with. Guys are the worst, I reckon. Yeah, they because don't they don't know. Yeah, <laughs> a lot it. of the time they don't know. And he said, and I was I was just having a really, really vulnerable week yeah. where I was just probably, you know, hormonal and sensitive and maybe had gained a whatever. Yeah. Just was feeling a little bit not myself. And he commented on something I was eating. <laughs> I must have been just inhaling it mm. as I do, whatever. Yeah. And he said, like, he was completely joking, and this is his sense of humour, but he goes, it's not love, it's just food. Mm. And Mm. I went, I literally stopped and I looked at him, and because one of my other friends was also eating, and I was like, the fact that you said that to me is really, like, I actually pulled him up, and I never do this. Good, good on you. I was like, the fact that you said that to me, you don't understand the impact that that's having on me right now. So can you please not make that joke? What did he say? He was so awkward. Yeah, he would he have been. He ended up coming and finding me later because I had to walk away. Yeah. And my, my husband was there. My friend was there. It was Good like in you. front of a group and it was like so, so out of my character to do that. But it's important. But I was like, hey, I know you didn't mean that to be nasty, mm. but you don't understand the impact that's having on me today. Yeah. And he just kind of went, oh, sorry. And then I walked off and then he came and apologised. And I was like, it's okay. I yeah. know that you weren't meaning it. it's good it, for him to know. But please know, especially, I know that it's not just a female thing, but particularly... Yeah, it's very common for females mm. to feel that way. So just lay off. Just don't make comments. Talking about it. And I think that's it. It's not on us, right, to have to speak up and yeah, say those things. However, I think until society changes and more people recognize it, it is something that we can do because if the person's not a complete jerk, mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they will learn from it. Yeah, 100%. Right? And yeah, I think it's just, again, it's it's about having those like conversations even around little ones and all of that sort yeah. of stuff. It's just about avoiding talking about that sort of thing that doesn't feed into what could possibly become yes. an eating disorder. Yeah. And as you said earlier, obviously we're sort of referring to it in terms of body image and things, which is a big factor for a lot of people with eating disorders. But it's not as you said, trigger. it's not always a trigger. Yeah. It could be traumatic events. It could be something else going on yeah. in their life. So, you know, we understand that it is bigger than just Absolutely. body image. But there will be some some really great advice from Danny Rollins and we'll hear from Sarah's story as well. Yeah, so we hope you guys, I don't want to say enjoy this podcast. It feels weird saying that about this. I mean, I, I hope you get a lot from it. I, I really hope that um, this helps some people and maybe even send it to someone if you feel like it's going to help them. But yeah, here's our episode today. 
Sarah, thank you so much for, I mean, agreeing to come on, but also for initially reaching out to me over DMs and sharing your story with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'd love you to take us back to around 2017-18 when you had an eating disorder and talk to us a little bit about where you were at in your journey at that time, if you're okay with that. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess in 2017, um, I had quite a few traumatic events that happened all in the one go. And I think it kind of sparked the, the eating disorder. To begin with, it was very um, subconscious. So I wasn't really aware. To be fair, I didn't even really know very much about eating disorders. So it definitely wasn't an intentional thing. Um, but I do think it was a byproduct of some traumatic things that happened. So I was just fighting way too many elements and things and grief and things that were going on around me and in my brain. And yeah, the eating disorder just took off with that. So it wasn't until I recognized it in an, around 2018 that it, it sort of came out as a full-fledged eating disorder. Yeah. And, and what made you recognize it? And when was that turning point where you decided that you wanted to recover? So 2018 was probably when I started to recognize that I was now engaging in eating disorder behaviors. So just certain characteristics that I was doing, mm -hmm. um, changes in my meals. Um, but it wasn't until my family approached me uh, sort of late 2018 and and said, you know, something's going on, like what's happening? Mm. And it's very common in eating disorders that you're in denial. So I, although I'd recognised that I was doing things, I didn't actually think I had a problem. And then 2019, I was, um, I've always been quite a small person. So to me, I just thought that that was just my body changing slightly because of things that had happened. But then 2019, it was you could visually see what was happening. Mm. And I decided that, okay, I'll just do what my family want me to do. I'll go see the doctors to see what happens. Um, and then, yeah, I, they basically diagnosed me with like severe anorexia. And in conjunction with that, I had um, an excessive exercise compulsion disorder. So my exercise obsession was through the roof as well. So they both fed off each other basically. And um, mm. yeah, just I drastically lost a, a lot of weight. And then the, the doctors basically said that, you know, if I only had a few months to live if I kept doing what I was doing. Mm. And ironically, it hearing that didn't actually mm. do anything to me. Like it didn't spark something in me that was like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I could, I could pass away. Like I have to do something about this. It was like the eating disorder loved hearing that and wanted to do it even more and be more successful um, and lose more weight. So hearing those was probably when I was at the peak of my, my mm. disorder. And then it wasn't until about December of 2019 that it was coming up to Christmas and Christmas is a very hard time for people with eating disorders. You know, you've got a lot of eyes watching you. It's a time when people comment about your body you know, it's it's a stressful pressure time. Um, and I knew it was coming up. So it sounds kind of weird, but I woke up one day in December and I just went, I, I don't want this. Like, what is going on? What is happening? What's happening to my life? What's happening to me? This is, this is not the person that I am. This is not who I wanted to be. What happened to all my dreams? You know, my, um, my goals, my, my drive. And one of those being that 
I wanted a family. Um, mm. Ever since I was in school, I wanted kids. So where did that go? You know, what has happened that all of those dreams and aspirations have just gone down the drain? So it was literally the motivation to have a child that I went, I need to fix myself. I need to do something about this. And I just went straight into the all or nothing mentality um, of recovery feeding disorder. So for someone with anorexia, that's extremely hard. Um, Mm. I mean, recovery is extremely hard no matter what. But the food aspect I managed to get on top of, it was actually the exercise component that was the hardest for me to recover from. But I knew I had to do all this in order to have a child or attempt, uh, at least try to have a child. Obviously, no one knows whether they're going to be able to. I also didn't have a partner. So (laughs) I knew that I had to get my body to a state where I could at least look at my options. Um, And I couldn't do that with a brain full of an eating disorder and a body full of an eating disorder. Mm. So um, that's when I sort of kickstarted my journey. So the end of 2019, And in 2020, I was, at least the first half of the year, I was in a state of quasi-recovery. That's what they call it. So um, in terms of health, I'd restored my health enough to look fairly normal. Mm. And I managed to flip out of the quasi-recovery and just sort of steamroll down into getting my brain and body back to sort of a point where it was recovered enough to be able to then engage in the, the next process of whatever that meant for me. But definitely the, the motivation behind it was having a child and just mm. not wanting to live the rest of my life in the state that I was in. I think what's really important there, and thank you so much for sharing all of that, is, you know, you, you found your your motivator and for everyone that will look really, really different. And for some people, reaching out and getting help, that might be a way of identifying that. But from there, you really do need to, to to focus on your motivator. And, you know, as you said at the start, it wasn't even your own life uh, that, that really motivated it. It was becoming a mother and having a family. And now looking back, are you super motivated, obviously, outside? I mean, you've had, you've had a baby, so I'd love you to talk about that process and, as well and, and how you've kind of been feeling since then because another reason why this podcast was created and why I wanted to have these conversations is because on the flip side, I've had women in our community reach out to me who are so fearful of getting pregnant because of they may have had, you know, a certain relationship with their body And they're really worried about triggering old habits or old thought patterns with the changing of their body. Because as you know, through pregnancy, your body changes so much, your hormones go all over the place. And then postpartum as well, it's another journey in itself. So I would love for you to kind of talk through that period of your life. And it was only really a a year or so after your recovery as well. So it would have been so still fresh for you. So if you're comfortable to speak through that, I would love you to. Sure. So, and I 100% agree with everything that you just said then. Um, and that was exactly what I was, I was exactly afraid of that as well. I, I don't think there are many uh, women who have come out of an eating disorder that, or even are currently in one, that don't have that fear if they want to have children. Mm. So in 2020, when I was recovering, I knew that I, I wanted to engage in, in IVF. So I was I'd already investigated it before, but um, I was at a point where I was like, okay, well, 
you know, I, I think I can do this. So I got to 2020, beginning of 2021 and I was like, yep, yeah, let's go. And throughout that process, my, my, my fear was gaining weight mm. during pregnancy. And although I had just gone through a whole stage of gaining weight, it's a whole nother level again. It can be triggering again. But I guess what kept me going was knowing that I needed to keep my baby alive and nourished. And if I continued in eating disorder behaviours or even just slightly going down that route again just so that I didn't gain the weight that my body wanted me to gain at mm. the, over that period of time, I could cause damage to my unborn child um, or they could come out malnourished or, you know, sick because of me. And so for me, I just had to wake up every day and sort of say to myself a lot of the time, you choose recovery. Like I choose recovery. I choose recovery. I choose recovery. I want this baby. I'm having this baby. No going back. And it was pretty much that that continued to drive me. And I mean, in each trimester, obviously you're getting bigger. Um, and at the beginning, I, I'm, you know, I had a lot of morning sickness. So, you know, your, your brain is fighting mm. your body basically. But it was, it was literally just one day at a time, but knowing that the end result was just going to be everything that you'd wanted and hoped for. I think I, I think it makes total sense and for anyone going through it, I think understanding that it is a day-by-day process, it's not like one day you can kind of just switch your mindset and then you're good from there. Um, so I think that's important to share. But obviously through postpartum, there's a whole different change to your body and then also your mental state. It's an emotional time and kind of as we've already touched on, regardless of whether you are someone who might have had an eating disorder or had eating disorder habits over time, recovered, still do, regardless of all of that. It's a very touchy time. And I don't know of one woman, myself included, who hasn't had those kind of thoughts trigger in their mind about their body, negative thoughts um, through that change. So how did you go through that process? And your little one's 10 months now, is he? Yeah, he's 11 months tomorrow, actually. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so like how, <laughs> how are you going now as well? Yeah, so I would probably say postpartum was harder than pregnancy mm. um, in terms of the uh, what goes on in your head um, and body image and, you know, there's that whole, as, as you know, bounce back mentality, um, social media everywhere. It's just crazy uh, for how it makes women feel, um, males too, but, you know, women feel, um, particularly after giving birth. I did find the first couple of months quite hard. Uh, I could feel things triggering me or wanting to trigger me. And it was definitely a challenge to, to put them aside. Uh, I had fought so hard for my eating disorder voice to be a lot quieter than the Sarah voice that was going on in my head. Um, and I can, I could feel that eating disorder voice sort of, you know, tapping on my shoulder every now and again. And I was just like, absolutely not. This is not happening. Um, I have just, you know, given birth um, just to my dream, basically, a mm. um, little miracle bubba. So I'm not about to, you know, go down, back down that path. And I think it's, it's really, it is still similar to when you are pregnant. It is a bit of a day-by-day thing. Um, but like you said, you know, there's, I still have really bad body image days. Mm. You know, I still have days where I sit there and think, 
uh, to, you know, feeling pretty crap today. Mm. But you're on such an emotional roller coaster, like hormonal and just, you know, newborn phase, everything, that I often thought to myself, okay, is this, I don't think this is in disorder mentality. I just think this is how postpartum goes, yeah. you know, and trying to convince myself that, no, this is just how things things are. You don't need to engage in any of that rubbish that you did before. Just keep going, get through today, see how tomorrow goes. You know, my baby does not sleep at all. He has <laughs> incredibly high FOMO. <laughs> so that has been a massive challenge. And I think, you know, just realising that there's a lot more going on that you need to deal with and not think about, do I want to eat that today? Like, what's that going to do? You know, do not go back down that path. Um, and I think the same thing with exercise. So I'm going to give you a little shameless plug here, but I absolutely oh, love pick up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> it's just, it's so good. And, you know, it's, it's also really good for postpartum um, when you can actually engage back in activity. But for me as well, like I was a super, super high exercise person. Mm. It was ridiculous. So to not be able to do that when I was pregnant and then to not be able to do that postpartum, like I really, really had to adapt to that and make some real mind shifts to get used to the fact that I couldn't do what I did before. No one should really be doing what I did before anyway. It was way too much. But I have, you know, used kick as my saviour to that. Um, And, you know, I love just doing the 20-minute workouts or if I just want to do a five or 10-minute one, then I'll go do that. And that's helped me realise that exercise now looks different and (laughs) that's okay. That wasn't supposed to be back. But I just wanted to let you know that, you know, it, it has actually helped. Oh, Sarah, I can't even tell you how much that means to me um, that you said that. I mean, that's like, that's a huge reason why we started Kick in the first place. So it um, it's really special to hear that. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Caught me off guard. That's okay. Um, I'm sorry to meet you. No, don't sad. apologize, please. That is um, so beautiful for you to share and I'm so, so happy to hear it. Um, and I, I, I would love to finish off by just asking, I think for a lot of people going through it, and they might be feeling alone. Is this is that kind of a reason why you were happy to come on today? Is that a re- do you, do you find talking about it is actually, I mean, in one regard, maybe helping others, but also does it help yourself as well when you speak about it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that it definitely does help me. It's it helps me process things. Helps me also realize how far I've come mm. because you know I I was close to not being here anymore, mm. and so to be able to pull myself back from that and then have my like my beautiful son and just, you know, have a different perspective on life is um, somewhere that in the depths of my eating disorder, I never, ever thought that I I could get to. I never thought I could come back from that. So it does help because it does make you realise, you know, how far you, you have come. But I also, you know, I really wanted to show people that you, that you can do it, you know, that recovery is possible because you, you get to a point where you don't think it is, you don't believe it. You see it, but you don't believe it. Um, and you never think that you're going to be able to. But it, it is it is possible. Thank you so much for coming on. You should be so proud as well of your journey and where you are now. And, yeah, I wish you wish you all the best with you and your little man and your, your forever journey from here. Um, but, yeah, it's been really, really special to get to know you a little bit more. 
face-to-face kind of (laughs) virtually. Um, And yeah, can't thank you enough for your time. No, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to, to share. Danny Rollins, so nice to meet you. And thank you so much for coming on the Kick Bump podcast. Thank you for having me. So you are head of prevention at the Butterfly Foundation and we've got you on today. We've obviously just heard from Sarah from our kid community to speak about her own journey in recovering through an eating disorder before getting pregnant um, and going through that. But we would like to chat to you about a, a realm of things when it comes to pregnancy and eating disorders. And when I talk to you as the expert, I would love to explain exactly what you just did offline to me as to how you do have credibility in this space, because I think it's really important that people hear that. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been working at Butterfly for 16 years. Prior to that, um, I had been in health and fitness industry, but I guess the biggest thing that drives the work that I do is that I have had a lived experience myself. Um, And so I think living that that experience um, has made me really passionate about helping others. Mm. And so learning along the way has been really key. Um, and obviously that lived and learned is is hopefully what I can bring to this space. Um, and obviously the topic of body image and eating disorders. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think, I think it does make a difference when you know, I mean, even in my own experience, there was a lot of people I didn't open up to about what I was going through because I felt in some way they wouldn't be able to relate or understand. So I think it definitely would make a huge difference to the people that you help, for sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what you've just articulated there is unfortunately the stigma that Mm. surrounds um, eating disorders and just the the lack of understanding about what they are and what they're not. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, if I can help to break down a little bit of that by just sharing my my own experience alongside um, the facts and the the education around it, then um, then then I hope I'm doing a good thing. (laughs) Absolutely you are. So I'd love to start with discussing some of the dangers. Now, I know obviously eating disorders, it's such a kind of, there's a realm of them. There's, it's a wide variety and it doesn't discriminate. So what are some of the dangers involved in someone actually having an eating disorder during pregnancy? Because even when I spoke to my husband about this podcast, like talking to him about what we're about to talk about, he didn't understand, oh, wh- why, what troubles would that cause or what does that mean? So I think there would be so many people who aren't even aware of some of those dangers. Yeah, certainly. So There are, as you mentioned, there are a range of different eating disorders that can be experienced and these can be experienced while someone is pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, They are very complex and every case will be different. But obviously with eating disorders, one of the biggest things that that, and a behavioural aspect of them is the nutrition component. Mm -hmm. So for some people that might be restricting, that may be purging and and binging. uh, And so that can put an enormous strain on the physical body Mm -hmm. um, and also obviously you know, for the mother and also the baby. So that can be an aspect. There's also obviously the mental health challenges around um, eating disorders that that often get get neglected and, and missed. We mm. often just focus on the physical um, and the behavioural, but that the, the mental health side of things can also put, put the mother at risk um, during pregnancy also. Yeah, absolutely. Can you speak a little bit more to that, the, the mental health risk and why that's so... Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, eating disorders are a mental illness. That's their their classification. And what we know is that, um, you know, the way an eating disorder drives behaviours is that it it is controlling and it's manipulative and and obviously doesn't make a lot of sense, particularly for people Mm. outside um, of that, looking looking in. Um, So when we're thinking about, I guess, somebody who's experiencing pregnancy, we know there's all the hormonal changes. And that's hard for anybody, um, but when you couple that with with eating disorder mindset and thinking, 
that can can really play havoc and wreak havoc with um, with the person. So aspects of um, elements of control. So we know eating disorders are more than that. Mm. But obviously with pregnancy, a lot of that is our what, what happens to our body, what happens to the experience, um, what happens to lots of things are outside our control. Yeah. And so eating disorders can be the coping strategy. Because um, it's something you can't control. Yeah, mm. and, and there's aspects around the food or the exercise or, or something that the person is, is trying to manage. Mm. And I guess that is eating disorders, you know, um, mm. the, the pain or they might be just trying to manage difficult and stressful emotions mm. um, and experiences can play out in obviously the behaviours. So I think for people who are outside, there's sadly this thought that, you know, how could a mother do that? How could it like mm. put their baby at risk? That There's not a choice in this when it comes to eating disorders. And I think that compassion element and that that empathy and understanding is is really important. Somebody wouldn't choose to put themselves or their baby at risk during pregnancy. And um, and that's an important message in, in um, the eating disorder and, and pregnancy space too. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone listening who might be struggling, be it maybe they're, they're trying to get pregnant, but they may also have an eating disorder or they might be listening and they might be pregnant yeah. and with an eating disorder, where do you even begin? Where do you start to look for help, especially if they do feel like there's no one in their life that may be able to relate that they could open up to? Yeah, sure. So, the pre is a really tricky space for many, many women and obviously um, it can do lots of different things to people, particularly people who are struggling perhaps with fertility mm. challenges as well. When eating disorders are a part of that process, knowing where to go, what to do is really hard. So trying to engage with a health professional, somebody mm. who understands eating disorders in that process is, is really important. If you are pregnant and experiencing an eating disorder or realising that, oh my goodness, actually that might not be actually pregnancy symptoms, that's actually probably my eating disorder behaviours mm, mm. being involved here, is actually trying to speak to your care provider, health professional, somebody who's helping you along the way with, with pregnancy. Mm. It can be hard to call that out. Mm. People are, are scared or worried. What does that mean? What's it going to look like? Will there be shame? Will there yeah. be guilt? But I think if we, we've got to support ourselves as best we can. And so just actually being brave and, and saying those words out loud that you're struggling or that you have had an eating disorder in the past and perhaps you're concerned that some of those behaviours are coming back or that thinking is coming back, mm. uh, to, to share that with the people that are supporting you mm. in that process. It might not be the closest people, so a partner or a friend or a family member may not have really ever really understood it or, mm. or might not know what to do. But also, of course, there's the Butterfly Foundation yeah. who has a national helpline and we can support you to know where, where, to, where, go. where to go and what, and what you need to even say or how, how you, you know, help you to have a conversation with, with people so that you can get the support that you need. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't know, like what about people who haven't ever been diagnosed? Yeah. I was never diagnosed right. with an eating disorder. I would say that I picked up a lot of habits and thought patterns that would define one, but I was never diagnosed. Yeah. So how does someone kind of recognise in themselves that they may need to go see someone? Yeah. So first of all, you are not alone. There yeah. are many. This is why the prevalence and the, the statistics around eating disorders aren't truly understood because yeah. there are many people who are experiencing an eating disorder where it's affecting lots of, of their health and their mental health and lots of aspects of their life without it ever being formally yeah. diagnosed. Yeah. So I think if you are concerned and you're not really sure, um, again, Butterfly Foundation, yeah. we've got a website that's got fact sheets and information that that's a really important place to start is just to learn a little bit from reputable sources. Mm. You know, get information, 
that can just go, okay, well, that that's what those warning signs, well, that's what those signs are, or that behaviour, actually, that's that's what that is, and start to kind of piece piece it together. I think m- many people do know that, that it probably is an eating disorder. Yeah. And so it's just understanding that those behaviours are aren't just you, it is actually an eating disorder mindset and um, that's that's driving that. And then hopefully taking that information and feeling a bit empowered to go, actually, this is what I'm experiencing. It's not a choice. It's not a lifestyle thing. It's not just that I want to have my body a certain way. There's there's multi, it's multifaceted and it's complex. Mm. And then reaching out to get that support. And what about for anyone listening who may think that a family member or a friend, someone close to them, yeah might be going through something and may not have reached out. How do you even start that conversation or approach that person? Is there do's and don'ts? Does it come down to the individual? Like what what do you recommend? Yeah, look, every relationship is is going to be different. I think we do need to also, um, if somebody is concerned about a loved one it is or someone they care about, that they do find out the information about what eating disorders are yeah. and are not. An important one is that eating disorders can affect people of all body sizes. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we don't just think assume, we can yeah. see see it visually, i.e. being somebody of, of a low weight. Um, but if you are concerned, again, we try not to make it about the person's body or their behaviours. It's about what you're noticing perhaps in or your observations around, you know, their mood. It yeah. might be how they're, they're engaging in life. Try to come from I statements. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about you making sure that we're we're not trying to shame or add judgment to the person in any way. Again, there's lots of information on our website and our helpline can help people have a conversation because yeah. it can be nerve-wracking to yeah. know how to call out, you know, something or, or to to share concerns with, with anyone about, particularly around stuff that's got mental health involved. But I guess the important thing is, is if you've got a feeling that something's not quite right, you're better to say something than nothing be prepared for a range of responses. Yeah. Somebody might be really relieved that somebody has actually noticed or seen or yeah. or is is and they're ready to to actually kind of talk about it. Some people may not for a range of reasons. So conversations may need to be had a few times. But um I guess if you're concerned about somebody, often people will have a bit of that feeling of going, oh, this isn't something here I need to to explore more. And I guess just leaning in with compassion and kindness mm-hmm. and really trying to remember that that this isn't a choice. This isn't about vanity. This isn't this this is really complex mm-hmm. and there's lots of reasons as to why it has happened. Uh, and to try to help that that person, yeah, with compassion and kindness is really key. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, as you stated, like there's so much information on the butterfly yeah. website. So we'll pop a link in our show notes Fantastic. for everyone. But yeah, I think it's um, it's been awesome to get to chat to you today and everything that you've shared has been so, so helpful. Oh, thanks so much, Steph. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, guys. Remember, if you need any help, you can get in touch with the Butterfly Foundation on their helpline, which is 1-800-ED-HOPE. So that's 1-800-334-673. And as mentioned in the chat with Danny, there is a whole bunch of information on their website as well that is incredibly helpful both for those going through it and for those who might know someone who might be going through an eating disorder as well. I'll be back in your ears very soon with Lawsy for another Kick Pod episode and back in a fortnight from now for another Kick Bump episode. If you would like to join our Kick Bump virtual community, you can, our little mother's group on Facebook. Just search Kick Bump. 
And if you'd like to try a kick, you are welcome to come and join us. Our website is keepitcleaner.com. You can find us on the App Store and Google Play Store and download our app. We've got a seven-day free trial. And that is it for me. You can find us on Instagram too, at keepitcleaner and at Steph Claire Smith. <laughs>